0: They say the world could be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if your hunger and thirst doesn't push you from position last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the goat. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask. Guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches, still my time and come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this and the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day. I'm like, bolts in the race, leave the track, plan bay. It's the okay. open run. Okay. There's this video of a little boy playing his brother in the living room, I think it is, of his family's home. And they're playing with a little mini hoop. You know, he's a little kid, maybe four or five. But he's clearly skilled in the ways of trash talk and has some game to him. So he's playing against his older brother who could be maybe like nine or 10. So he's around four or five, maybe six. Six would be the oldest, I think he was. He shoots the ball, makes the fadeaway jumper on the kid. And he screams, Kobe, whether you're playing with your brother in the living room or shooting balled up pieces of paper into a wastebasket or the imaginary hoop above every door jam in your house, some way, somehow, some kids are probably calling Kobe somewhere. And on that, I'd like to welcome you to the Open Run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, including and especially at Anchor.FM. Today would have been the 44th birthday of the greatest 13th pick in NBA history. This is not subject to debate. A five-time champion, multiple-time first-team all NBA, multiple time, first, I, I could throw the numbers all day. We know who he is. For many, he's arguably the GOAT. Some say he's been disrespected and left out of the GOAT conversation. Some say, hey, look, can't be the GOAT if you didn't start your first two years. I say to them, the good Dr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady is an example. Is it the same? I don't know. Am I trying to make linear comparisons with these false equivalencies, maybe? I don't know. You tell me. But what I do know is that the life and times of Kobe Bean Bryant will be celebrated today. The good and the bad, as people are prone to do, they want to make sure that while they give out the flowers, they definitely give you the thorns that come along with it. Because we are all complicated beings. Why did I feel like I was about to start singing Michael Jackson's part from We Are The World? There is good and bad in everyone. Oh, does he sing that part? That's an old ass song. My bad. At any rate. The beginning of Kobe Vane Bryant as professional in the National Basketball Association was stunted temporarily by Temple University's Eddie Jones, who was an all-star in Los Angeles when Kobe got there. Started for two years in front of Kobe. Did that fuel his fire? He was a 17-year-old kid playing with grown men, but he practiced like he knew he was going to have it. Preparation makes you ready for all situations that come your way. If you're preparing for the moment... When the moment comes, you're not surprised by it. That's how Bryant felt. In the 1996 draft, which is considered by some the greatest draft class in NBA history, I tend to disagree, but Kobe was a part of that draft class. Kobe was traded on draft night for Vladi Dottie we like the party, Vladi Divots. Then a dude by the name of Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal showed up. In 1996, the Lakers had a squad and a coach who was the coach of the year the year prior. Well, 94-95 season. Wasn't that far removed. But this tells you how much free agency can change a team. Free agency as we now know it, for the most part, didn't really kick in until 1994. So Shaq exercised his options, showed up in L.A., want to be in L.A., want to be a star in multiple ways. Now you have these guys in the same squad. For two years, A. Jones starts in front of Kobe. He's an all-star, played great defense. But at a certain point, that had to end. They put a lot behind this prodigy, someone who Jerry West, then the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers, said was the best prospect he'd ever seen coming out of high school. I praise. But still, he didn't start for two years. Oh, yeah, he won a dunk contest at All-Star Weekend. That's great. Doesn't give you time in a grown man's league with an old school coach. Nah. It was not until after the trade, until after Dell Harris was relieved of his duties in 1999, that the Lakers brought in the best possible candidate. High visibility team. High visibility coach who had just won six championships in Chicago. Philip Douglas Jackson. 1999, he comes in. Automatically, they start winning. In the 1999-2000 season, The think of the finals. They defeat Indiana. 2001, they cook AI Allen Iverson. And the Philadelphia 76ers, and people say that was a bad team. Stop saying that. They had the MVP in Allen Ezale Iverson. They had Dikembe Mutombo, who's a... I'm not going to say all those damn names. Shouts out to Deke. Who's Defensive Player of the Year that year. Larry Brown was Coach of the Year. And Aaron McKee, Blue McKee, the head coach of Temple University, was the Sixth Man of the Year. They had a squad. They just couldn't beat Shaq and Kobe. Kobe was at his young, full powers. Ready to blossom and bloom. And you could start to see the fissures in that relationship between Shaq and Kobe toward the end of that 2001 championship season. 2002 was easy enough. They played against the New Jersey Nets at the time, led by Jason Frederick Kidd. There was no way that Kenyon Martin and Aaron Williams. Yeah, I said Aaron Williams. You, you're like, who is that? Yeah. And guys like that in the middle were going to stop Shaq. He was unstoppable. That three-year run. He was damn near unstoppable, like 35, 36 points, 15 rebounds every night. You couldn't stop him. He won three straight Finals MVPs. Some people say, oh, Kobe should have won one of those. We've heard that argument before, but there's no championship where that guy did already has some championship experience when he got simmer-sautéed by Akeem Abdul-Olajuwon. But Kobe Bryant was ready. He won the stage. And when they did not make the Finals in 2003, come after the 2004 season, Shaquille was out of shape. Kobe was driven by this maniacal drive to win at all costs. Then 2004 came around. These star-studded 2004 Los Angeles Lakers with fading but still effective Hall of Fame players like Gary Payton and Karl Malone, who at 41 was still giving you numbers. But they weren't the same. Neither was Shaq and Kobe thought, it's my turn now. I need to lead this team. And it showed itself in the 2004 finals against the Detroit Pistons where they fed off of Kobe's drive to do everything for himself and not for the team. Chauncey Billups, Mr. Big Shot, man who went to seven straight conference finals between both conferences, which is an impressive thing that speaks to his ability to lead men, said that we knew Shaq was going to do what Shaq does, but if we tried to stop Shaq, and stop those other guys. Kobe would think he could beat us all by himself. So we let him. And he beat the Lakers. With four Hall of Famers on that squad. In five games. The second greatest upset in finals history. That party was over there. And after that was go for mine. And Kobe did his work. He was killing everything moving. Putting up crazy numbers. One is MVP. The lone MVP. Some people feel like he was robbed of several others. There's always going to be an argument out there for that. But the goal was to win more titles. And with the teams, you know, oh, Kobe's team is trash. He needs more help. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that because certain players are not supposed to need help. while others apparently do. At any rate, in 2007, Kobe was looking at free agency, looking at Chicago, of all places. Actually said himself that he and his wife, had already gone looking for private schools for their kids and places to live like he was all but gone. I think that was a ploy to get the money he wanted because he was always going to be a Laker. When he was drafted, he said, look, if Charlotte tries to keep me, I'm going to, to Europe to play in Italy. They didn't believe he, a 17-year-old guy could turn their franchise around. And they were right. In the beginning, he was not ready to do that. He wasn't ready to do it in LA either, but he was ready now. Really, he had no choice. Once Shaq moved on, it was his team. A couple of years later, they bring in a guy Bona fide Hall of Famer pal Gasol paired him up with one of the most versatile big men in the game, and Lamar Odom, Derek Fisher, the Rock, who's been there since the beginning, with Kobe came in with Kobe, so he knew what it took to annex to Kobe. And who they bring back to coach them once again after he left, after he called Kobe selfish? You guessed it, Phil Jackson. Why Kobe don't care about that shit? He just want to win. Phil can say what he wants to say, but you're back in the house and you're coaching Kobe again. Must be something to it. They go back to three more finals. They lose to the Celtics in 2008. They went back-to-back, 2009, over the Orlando Magic, led by Dwight David Howard, and then defeat the Celtics in Game 7, 2010 finals. And that was the end of Kobe's finals run. They had a nice decade there. Did lots of things. Put himself in position to be one of the greatest of all time. He surpassed his idol, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, on the all-time scoring list. Until before he called it quits in 2016 after injury and age had started to catch up to the old veteran. The surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, the Grand Exit, dropped 60 points in his final game in the NBA on 50 shots, of course. You've got to let the big gun off when you're going out the door. And in 2016, at the end of that season, he was gone. A career that rivals many other top-tier Pantheon-level players' careers. 20 years in the fire is a real career. Spent more than half of his life as a professional athlete. It was time to write new chapters. He was already looking into doing a documentary about how basketball fueled him, which ended up winning him an Oscar, his love letter to basketball. This is his way of saying thank you. For a guy who didn't really say thank you a lot to the players he played with, things like that. Was he an asshole? Absolutely. Did that drive him to be the best? Absolutely. He did his thing. And during Full Court 21 Canada this year, out in Edmonton, one of my favorite players, the guy who comes back with his entire family every time we play, my man, Jose. Tobian, if I'm pronouncing his last name properly. Tibiana, it might be Tibiana. He and his daughter both participated. Jose played in the tournament. His daughter was in my minicamp. And I noticed, and someone else noticed, and recognized that Jose's number for the day is just random because you get shirts randomly handed to you once you pay your fee to get in the tournament. He was wearing number 24. Guess what his daughter, whose nickname is Kit Kat, guess what her number was? The number two. And so when we celebrate the sunrise of Kobe Bean Bryant on August 23rd, 1978, we also have to look at the sunset that happened January 26th, 2020, when he, his then 13-year-old daughter Gianna, and seven other people perished on a hillside in Calabasas, California when their helicopter crashed due to poor visibility. When my brother first called me telling me that Kobe was dead, I'm like, look, man, I know I'm not the biggest fan of Kobe in the world, but don't play like that. That's not cool. And then I stood there for the next three hours looking at the screen, incredulous. could believe it was true. But Jose and his daughter standing Side by side, and me taking pictures of them from the back, looking at their numbers, thinking about what the game meant to Kobe and what he meant to women's basketball, and how he was so invested in his daughter's success and her, her chances to play the game she loved, to play the game he loved. And I contributed to so many women who play WNBA basketball and college basketball right now. Salute to Kobe. You're in 44 today. No more chapters to write, but the legacy lives. And we hope you come back for more of The Open Run with Will Strickland on the other side of this. back giving you more of what you asked for it's the open run will stickland talking about the first ever all-canadian finals for four court 21 canada normally we do these things in new york city during the all-world Finals at the goat park 99th and Amsterdam, a.k.a rock steady park and when i tell you about the goat park i'm not talking about me i know it's easy to assume that but we're actually talking about the goat in terms of the men. Cream Abdul Jabbar considered the greatest player to never play in the National Basketball Association. Earl Manigal told the story. All but we opted into having an All Canadian final in Toronto this past weekend. As a matter of fact, a day very significant to me. I always think about August 20th, 1619. If you do the math, you can do the science, aka Google. And on this day, that was just the culmination of everything we had done for this full court 21 finals weekend. We started off with a meet and greet. With all of our players. The meet and greet was great because we had players coming from all over the country. Plus, we had some special invited international guests. Full Court 21 Tokyo champion, Ryo Yamazaki, came through to represent. She presented her rep, no doubt, in the court. We're going to talk about that in a second. Who came through. She just got off of a plane from Japan. I'm not mad at her for coming all the way around the world. To play in the world's most unique basketball tournament. Shouts out to our guy, Bang Lee. Our brother out there in Tokyo. He's an absolute basketball legend in Japan and glad to have him as a partner and a friend. NBA TV Canada showed up as they agreed to shadow us for the entire thing. They saw the value in what we're doing and we appreciate Adam Nelson and, of course, Akil Augustine over there at NBA TV Canada for looking out for us. The meet and greet was cool because you could see the guys sizing each other up like, yo, where's you from? They're talking about who they play with and where they play. I'm just sitting at the top of the table, watching, observing. It's like young lions, you know, and they're looking around at each other. But the older guys are really cool, really quiet. They're eating and watching them too. People put more bass in their voice when they're speaking to one another. Their chest got out, puffed out a little bit more. Like, okay, you trying to show you ball buff. I get it. These guys are really ready. So to name some of the guys who came out, and they all have nick nomenclature. That's what we do with full court 21. The 2022 Vancouver champion, Dominic Bakuteka, a.k.a. Dom Dom the Phenomenon, was there. My man Kenan Caribou, a.k.a. King Caribou, the Edmonton winner this year, was in the house. Our first indigenous champion. So that was great to kind of speak about his background and representing for his people. Uh, he wore every child manners t-shirt, orange t-shirt at the park. Some people noticed it, but I respect that he was always about his people and where he came from. Salute to you, sir. Our Toronto champion, Nolan 50-50 Goody, school safety in New York City, the all-world champion in 2017, the Toronto 2022 champion, was in the house, the old vet. He was definitely scouting, no doubt. He had in his mind he was going to lock it in. I understand that. The 2022 Montreal champion, my man Prince Oviawi, the young prince who would be king, showed up. As well as well, he didn't really show up. He was supposed to show up. He said he was walking around downtown Toronto. I'm like, how hard can it be to find the Scotia Bank Arena, my guy? But he didn't show up. It's all good, right? Couldn't find him. The 2022 Haligonian King Zorogole. He was in the house along with the three-time, three-time, three-time Halifax champion, my man. Julius, dad, I did my homework, a.k.a. Young Tom Cruise, a.k.a. King Julius McGee. He was there as well. And of course, our sponsor from eBay Canada, Shereen Edros. And we sat down, we had a great dinner, we talked about a lot of things, getting ready for the, the weekend. It was really, really good to see these guys get together. And next day, we had a photo shoot at the park where, you know, the guys can shoot around, see what the courts feel like, put the rims. They shoot around, playing some one-on-one, and playing real one-on-one. She got some moves. She can shoot it. Either they shoot or playing Keenan one-on-one, you know, playing all those guys one-on-one, just testing them, talking to them, and having NBA TV Canada see us do our thing and interviewing all these guys. The opportunity we present with the experience that Full Court 21 offers to our players. That's one of those added value things, and we appreciate them for that. But what was most important for me on that day was our ladies first initiative where it was more of a look, listen and learn launch event where men sat back and listened to what these women had to say. As the you know, we celebrated women in sneaker culture, women of color, I should say, in sneaker culture and in basketball. Too often we as men don't realize the privilege we have to go down to a court anywhere in the world and just start playing. So we wanna learn how to help create safe spaces for women and know how we can be real allies to them and their fight for that public space, and their fight for safety in these public spaces, and the right to play the game they love, too. I thought the panel was excellent, led by Marsha Gate Knight, who is our amazing moderator for the evening. She runs an organization called Black and Sports Business, which looks to mentor, nurture, amplify, and serve Blacks in Canada who work in the sports business. I think that's a great thing she's doing, and we definitely want to support her. And our panelists included Kumal Singh, who was the head of Hoop Queens, the founder of Hoop Queens, the first paid women's summer league in Canadian history. I don't know if they've ever done that anywhere else. Never heard of it, but amazing. The organization she's put together, definitely a key for us and our new partnership and new alliances as we're trying to increase the visibility of the women's game in full court 21 as well. She was on the panel. Shereen Edros, head of sneakers for eBay Canada. She was on the panel. Ivy Tomasi was a basketball player at Brock University. She played in the tournament. She was also on the panel. And last but not least, Minori Fukushi, a young Asian woman who came down to the park. And she actually is the full court 21 Toronto women's champion this year. Who came to the court and none of the other women who were supposed to play showed up. So she won by default. But she didn't care about that. She's like, I want to play. So I let her play with the hyenas. She wanted to play with the guys. And she actually did well. Don't be surprised. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. She can hoop. That's all that matters. And so much was learned and exchanged that evening. Stuff that I didn't know about women and how they see their place and their space in basketball and in sneaker culture. It's very enlightening. All of our guys showed up. They sat front row. They listened. We asked some questions at the end. I can't front. Somebody was cutting onions near me or starting to cut onions near me. I was talking about how serious I was about making sure that we had more female engagement and how important it was to what we're doing with Full Court 21. But I don't want to pontificate all day and preach to you guys. Just make sure that you know that next year, Ladies First is coming across the country with Full Court 21. So be ready to tap in, show up and show out for these ladies, no doubt. And then the tournament on Saturday is the amazing tournament, amazing tournament. And that's me being as unbiased as I possibly can be in this moment. I was very proud of what we had created. Not only the experience, but also the tournament. So I want to shout out everyone who helped us. And I can sit here and do that all day. But really, the players make it happen. The players make it happen. So we had some wild cards come in. I didn't even finish talking about Manny Campbell, our 2018 All-World Champion from Toronto, who was also in the tournament. Was upset that our guy, Demi Sosa, who hurt his back, the 2019 All-World Champion, and could not make it to Toronto to play in the tournament. So we had some wild cards, including the 2017 and 2018 Toronto Champion, Anthony Otley, who played. My man, Nicholas Gardner, a.k.a. Juvie, because you wanted to play in that tournament, huh? You're trying to win other prizes, huh? Let me stop doing that, huh? Right now. My man, Moran Tesfe has a realty business in Toronto, Be he also played in the tournament twice. He's the wild card who came in to give us some numbers and make sure we had some guys on their toes, not knowing what surprises would come next. And I definitely want to kind of tell you what happened in some of those games. It was no doubt a heater outside had to be 28 degrees Celsius, which is close to if you do the math on a real quick tip, almost 90 degrees, 86 degrees. It doesn't sound like real hot, but it was humid as well. But we started off the day with the first men's semifinals. As I split the groups between the two all-world champions, the Nolan Gooding group got to go first. And he came out locked in. He started off quickly. So he can chill a little bit later on. Because I'm trying to tell you, his first half was explosive. I thought he was going to close out in the first half. They slowed down. Guys started to guard him up a little bit more. And then you saw other guys scoring. You saw Nicholas Gardner, a.k.a. Juvie, doing his thing. The big man running and rumbling through the lane to make sure he could be in the game. Then reached the beast zero goalie, going out, dropping numbers, making sure that he understood he had to stay in the mix as well. Dominic Bakuteka had his best game of the day, the very first game. So it was very competitive. And at the end, Nolan figured he'd score a couple more points to close it out. And he did so winning game one. In game two, Manny Campbell, the 2018 All-World Champion, and his group came out and despite a very quick push by the newbie, the young man, Ken and King Caribou, out of Edmonton, Anthony Otley, closed the show in a very, very competitive game where Manny Campbell pushed them both. Then the women came to play. In the first game, like, it was really tough to see, but Rio Yamazaki, the 2022 Full Court 21 Tokyo champion, showing she had a lot of game, a lot of stuff in her bag. She was definitely styling on him and profiling And she caught that first game. We also had our first air ball from the free throw line. And our rules in full court 21 is if you shoot an air ball from the free throw line during the game, no matter how many points you have, you go back to zero. Those are the rules. And it happened to Ivy early in the game. She was kind of rolling. She had a couple of points. Never got her her mind back into it. It's a tough thing to gather all that credit and then have to lose it because you shot an air ball. But Rio won the first game amongst the women. As a result of Nolan and Anthony winning their first round games, they automatically made it to the finals. So these other four guys from each group were going to fight for a shot and a spot to play in the All Canadian final. In the second semifinal, here's a rough, tough battle. And even though the big man, Nicholas Gardner, did his thing, Reese DeBizzargole, who figured the game out, you could see it. He's making his free throws, making tough baskets, playing great defense ends up winning that game and advancing to the all-Canadian final along with Anthony and Nolan. The very next game, probably the most competitive game of all, and it was something to watch. As Julius, Manny, Prince, and Keenan battled out for a spot in the final, and Keenan Caribou was hooking. It looked like he was going to close the game out early, had 21 points, all he had to do was hit from the half-court line to win and close out the game. Shoots and airball. Ouch. I felt for the young man because he played so great. and You saw Prince oweawe from Montreal playing great. You saw Julius. Dad, I did my homework. King Julius. Young Tom Cruise out there doing work. But eventually, the old vet came back to win it all. Manny Campbell advancing on to the... 2022, full court 21 Canada All Canadian final. Then we had the women's final, and that was something to see. Carly Reagan, Ivy, Rio, Alexa, and Minori. Minori is one of the best defenders I've seen in a very long time, male or female. Her dedication to playing defense, moving her feet, and stopping her opponent is she's very dogged about it, and I love that. Plus, she has the greatest and strongest handshake that I've ever really. I'm not even going to knock it down or minimize it in a way to say, "Oh, it's the best handshake I've ever felt from a woman." She has one of the best handshakes I've ever ha- like gotten from anyone. It's strong, assertive, and real. She's about her business, and she's definitely about her business on the court. As she pushed and pushed, and was on the verge of winning until Alexa Sawchuk, Wilfrid Laurier's finest, Alexa Sawchuk from Wilfrid Laurier. University came out and did her thing and edged out Minori to win the 2022 Full Court 21 Women's All Canadian Final. So, congratulations to her. And the men's final was short one player. We had four in the final, and it gave these guys who had come from miles and miles away from different parts of the country one last chance to make it to the finals. After they did not make it in the first two games, all you had to do was make a free throw. All of them missed except one. Young Tom Cruise, Julius McGee, who has won a couple titles, hitting free throws. He did the same thing here, and he goes on the finals to face off against his best friend, Reece Argole, Manny Campbell, the veteran, Nolan Gooding, another veteran, and of course, Anthony Otley, the wild card who stepped in and is ready to do his thing. And at the end of the day, like, it was almost total domination Anthony dominated in the first half. Reese stayed and kept pace. Scored 18 points in the game. But no one really got on the board. Julius had two. Manny had eight. And Nolan injured his left ankle going to the basket early in the game. It was never the same after that. He toughed it out. But he didn't have a chance against guys who were moving around and couldn't be stopped. Anthony, Ali, and Reese going back and forth at one another. Doing their thing. At the end of the day. The new and a very first. Full Court 21 All-Canadian Final Champion, Anthony Otley Jr. Congratulations to him, and congratulations to everyone else who came out and supported Full Court 21 from all our photographers, Jaden, Jeremy, my man, Andrew Miller, with the drone work. It's crazy if you haven't seen the videos on our social media, whether it be Will Strickland1 or at Full Court 21 CA, please do check them out. It's an amazing job. All of our staff, all the people who helped out and made what we do very, very possible. The Waterfront Neighborhood Center, NBA TV Canada, Breakfast Television had us on for an interview to talk about the tournament, national TV spots, but it's really the people who make it happen and I'm humbled and happy to be a a part of something so great and maybe you'll come back to share with me a little bit more here on The Open Run with Will Strickland. So you're a philosopher? Yes, 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 I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run from Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic into the speaker. It is now time for some W, N, B, A, action, and just Despite the very difficult season that the Phoenix Mercury have had, there's at least one bright spot. And that would be rookie Sam Thomas being named to the all-rookie team despite numbers of 4.9 minutes per game, 0.4 points a game, 0.2 rebounds a game, 0.3 steals, and 0.3 assists a game. Not a number other than, I can't even call zero a number, it's an integer. If you know anything about that, I am a nerd. My bad. Somehow she made the All-Rookie Team. People have questions. Is she the Draymond Green of the WNBA? I don't know. You can't even call what she did a triple single or quadruple single. But somehow her defensive presence on a playoff team helped her be named to the All-Rookie First Team in the WNBA. Salute to her. Last week, I revealed my WNBA First Team picks, both traditionally with the Guard, guard, forward, forward, center, or backcourt, court, whatever. Now you can do a position list as they do now. And the one person that was left off my team, because I picked Skylar Diggins-Smith, Skylar Diggins, to be my two-guard for that team, with Kelsey Plum in the backcourt with her, but the WNBA selected Sabrina Yaskiew. Now you can't go wrong with either woman. They can both bowl out, just like Phoenix was bounced out of the playoffs, the Liberty behind Rescue, and Laney and the rest of her team put a scare and I saw it. I was watching game one and I said this last week. I don't know when I'm doing predictions. I don't know. The Sky, the defending champions have been looking shaky against top teams. And maybe they walk into that series with the Liberty. and believe they just walk over them. The different thing is. With the WNBA, not that they're going to the best of three series, is that the higher seed plays two home games first, and then the third game is played on the road. Well, by splitting the first two games with the Liberty, the Sky have to go to Brooklyn to play the Liberty in game three tonight to either move on or be eliminated. Well, after the beat them down, they serve to the Liberty after losing game one in a shocking fashion. And watching that game, you could just tell the energy was not there and the Liberty had nothing to lose, and they played like it. This guy, I guess they remembered who they were in Game 2 and issued the biggest beatdown in WNBA history, a 38-point victory, 162. Wow. I guess they got tired of playing with their food. Game 3 is Tuesday. Make sure you check it out. See if the guy can move on in advance to play in the conference semifinals against a team to be named because someone else was playing with their food. With no Enrique Ongambuale or the Dallas Wings, no problem. And Connecticut, the Connecticut Sun, I've been saying this all year about them. They remind me of the Utah Jazz, and this is one of the reasons. There's no reason whatsoever for them to play around with Dallas without their top star. But they are. And now they have to go to Dallas to play Game 3 in an elimination game. And I don't trust them. If Dallas goes on to beat these guys without Arika and Ogumwale, I don't know what's going to happen to Kurt Miller or the rest of that team led by the still reigning and defending MVP and defensive player of the year, Quill Jones. Alyssa Thomas has had an amazing season there. Brianna Jones coming off the bench doing her job. And still, they don't seem to be as dominant as they need to be. Now, again, I could be being premature. They could hit their stride a little bit later. I don't know. But I just don't see it in them. There are primed to get beaten in Game 3 on the road Wednesday when they play against the Dallas Wings. Going to the West, see those teams in the West, they handled their business. Phoenix was put to sleep for the rest of the season by the Las Vegas Aces. They didn't play around with them. And Seattle did the same thing to Washington. I thought Washington would be a little bit more competitive. But they had no answers for what Joel Lloyd was doing. I've been talking about them all year. They had no answers of Tina Charles off the window. They had no answers for a woman who could be the MVP of the league and Brianna Stewart. And they definitely had the answers for the oldest person to ever record a double-double in WNBA playoff history. The 41-year-old Sue Bird trying to stave off retirement for at least one more game. So congratulations to both the Las Vegas Aces and the Seattle Storm. If this were any team could go to the WNBA finals, this looks like it could be a WNBA final right here. No disrespect to Chicago or Connecticut or any other team that comes from the East, but Las Vegas and Seattle, who is playing and who is playing at a championship level right now on both ends of the floor. Those matchups, I'm looking forward to them. Jackie Young, Chelsea Gray versus what they have in Joe Lloyd and Sue Bird. is gonna be a physical series. But of course, the matchup is going to be between the two MVPs. I do anticipate a lot of Kia Stokes guarding Brianna Stewart to preserve Asia Wilson. But Asia Wilson doesn't get an easy task with Tina Charles down there either. So it's going to be very difficult to see what they're going to do. And I think the backcourt is going to make a difference here. The wings are going to make a difference here. And Chelsea Gray is the closer. Do they have anyone to match her? Joel Lloyd. But we'll see. They're going to need some defense. But I'm looking forward to this series so, so much. Who's going to go on to the WNBA Finals? I'll put it like this, whoever wins this, I don't know, I was going to say something crazy just now, but the fact that these two teams could beat each other up so much before the WNBA finals, that the team out of the East was like, okay, well, these guys are all banged up because they play so hard. Well, this is it. But I feel like the team that wins this series between Seattle and Las Vegas will go on to win the WNBA championship. Yeah, I said it. To look forward to it. I think they play in about a week, which is going to be a long time to be off, but it gives them time to heal, gives them time to do a lot of film study and see what matchups work. So good luck to both the Seattle Storm and Las Vegas Aces. I can't tell you why I want to see when, but I'm going to watch the entire series, no doubt. And before we move on, because on the open run, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. We're always going to say free BG. Well, still thinking about you, we won't forget you because Dennis Keith Rodman said he's coming to get you. What? Okay, now I get it. Dennis Rodman has been to North Korea. Is cool with Kim Jong-un, the whole nine. I get it. But he's not Muhammad Ali as far as an ambassador to the globe. I don't know what his diplomatic status would be going to Russia if they would honor that. But hey, you never know. I don't want to dismiss Dennis Rodman. For those who don't know, I used to call him the greatest second-round pick in NBA history. I can't count Willis Reed at number eight or number nine pick when the league was only nine teams or whatever the case might be. They could say that at one time. Now, Nikola Jermaine Jokic, the two-time MVP, the number 46 pick in his draft class, is the second greatest or is he? At any rate, Dennis Keith Rodman may have an opportunity to help. I don't know how, but... The efforts of the United States government, the WNBA and the NBA have yet to yield any real and tangible movement. Would it be something to see Dennis Keith Rodman, Paula Muhammad Ali, helping get the hostages out of Iran back in the 19, late 1970s as a diplomat, as a world ambassador? I don't know that people see Dennis Rodman as that, but hey, you never know. This world is a very strange place to my electric Mango Mussolini to the White House, so anything could happen. But like I said, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. So come back for more on the other side of this, on the Open Run with Will Strickland. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I'd like to thank this dude named Wall Street, whose name, whose real name, actually rhymes with Will Strickland being on the program today and talking to with us about all things basketball as he does each and every week. And I want to send shouts out to a couple of people as their born days have passed just recently, including the man whose grooves you're hearing in between each and every quarter, the artist formerly known as Lawrence Krishna Parker. Happy birthday to the teacher, KRS-One. Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. If you take the first letters of what I just sung, you spell his name. KRS-One is elementary. And what looked like someone was playing against elementary school kids when he was raining down hellfire and brimstone on everyone in the National Basketball Association? This man was born August 21st, 1936. His name, Wilton. Norman Chamberlain, the most dominant force to ever lace up a pair of sneakers, period. I never had to see him play. Paul Bunyan's stories are not. People say, oh, I didn't see him play, so I can't say he was dominant. Yeah, you can't see air either, but you know you can breathe. Relax yourselves. Wilt Chamberlain was absurdive. He was a cheat code, and I'll tell you why. Seven foot, one inch, 280 pounds. Claimed they have a 45-inch vertical. I don't disagree with it necessarily. He was a high jump champion in college at Kansas. And in his 30s, I saw him block sky hooks from the artist formerly known as Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor Jr., Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those things are way up in the air. You can see video. It's not doctor or anything. This dude was in his 30s, jumping and blocking shots like that. He claimed he could bench 500 pounds, but I saw him pick up Arnold Schwarzenegger like he was nothing like a baby. Ran a 4-6 allegedly. He was the in the volleyball hall of fame. He played volleyball in his 50s when he was done playing basketball and stuff. A three-time big eight high jump champion when people say he had 20,000 yoga partners. You know what that means. We're not putting that in this list. We know he scored 100 points in a game. No one ever did that. His first game in college when freshmen could not play on the varsity team. His first official game. He had a nice average game of 42 points and 29 rebounds. His rookie year average in the NBA, after playing for the Harlem Globetrotters first, comes into the NBA because the Globetrotters are paying him more money apparently. 38 points and 27 rebounds as a rookie. He is one of two men to ever be named most valuable player and rookie of the year in the NBA. The other, the late great Wes Unseld. He didn't have numbers like that. Trust me. In his third season in the National Basketball Association, Wilton Norman Chamberlain averaged 50.4 points and 25.7 rebounds per game. Not a typo. I did not stutter. That same year, he averaged 48 and a half minutes, even though the NBA game is only 48 minutes long. He played every single minute of every single game. And all the old timers who were still around will tell you he helped to save the league. He was the biggest attraction in the league, and never respected in the same way because. The Celtics were winning championships and what was winning scoring titles, but he kept butts in seats and he kept you entertained and people definitely misunderstood what Wilt Chamberlain was all about, but they will tell you he wanted to win just like anyone else, but he also knew his responsibility to the league to keep it going. The same way when we think about the WNBA and how fledgling it had been and it continues to be in some degrees, you have to remember the NBA had barely been around Fifteen years when Wilt Chamberlain came to the league, there was no charter jets, these guys didn't have television deals, none of that. So this guy had to play 48 minutes a night. In his entire career, he never once filed out of the game. I know why he didn't file out when he, in, in the early years for sure. Who came to see Wilt sit on the bench? No one I know of. I wasn't even around. But I can tell you, through conversations with my dear old dad, bless his dead, some of his friends who watched Wilt Chamberlain play, they knew. He's the only man to ever lead the NBA in scoring, rebounding, and assist. Ever. They talk about, oh, well, it wasn't a winner. It wasn't this. You know how many people have never won a championship who in the Hall of Fame? We live in a funny era. He won two championships. One of the teams is arguably debated as one of the top five teams who ever laced them up. With the 1966-1967 Philadelphia 76ers. First team to win 67 games NBA season, then a record that was broken later on by another team, helmed by one Milton Norman Chamberlain, a team that has the longest win streak in NBA history, 33 straight games. The 1972 Los Angeles Lakers, also world champions, they won 69 games. That record stood for another 24 years, almost a quarter of a century. But Tummy wasn't a winner. They told him the next season after they won the championship that all Wilt could do was score. Okay, I'm going to lead the league and assist. Then goes out and does it as a center. And all those nights when they said, oh, well, he's he's losing the step. He can't score like he used to. He goes out and gets dropped 60 points a night for three straight nights just to say, look, I can do what I want to do out here. This grown man business. He was so dominant. The then-New Jersey Nets offered him a contract at the age of 50. He didn't come back, and I'm glad he didn't, because it spoils the legend. And this is movie, the man who shot Liberty Valance, where the protagonist lives basically a life based on a lie, based on the notion that somehow he had killed the roughest, toughest hombre in town. Goes on to become the sheriff, then the mayor, then a governor, then a senator to the United States. As he's writing his memoirs, biographer is trying to finish up and in a fit of consciousness the protagonist says all the stuff i said happened didn't happen Biographer says so we have to choose between the myth and the truth always choose the legend it sells more whether you saw wilt chamberlain score 100 points or not the legend of him much like with many other players is bigger than the men and the women who play this game themselves but on this day we will honor the late great Wilton Norman Chamberlain, who would have been 86 years old, August 21st, salute. Wrestling power shouts out go to Mrs. Janet Hill, Grand Hill's mother, who passed away. I don't normally talk about family members like that, but we don't get the Grand Hill we got without his mother being such an amazing woman on her own merits. A lot of people don't know her background. I would suggest that you look up what Mrs. Hill did with her life. She was not just the wife of former NFL running back Calvin Hill or the mother of Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer Grant Henry Hill. Janet Hill was something else. Rest in Paradise, Miss Janet. A guy who seems to have nine lives in the NBA, Eudonis Haslam. Coming back for his twentieth season. Congratulations. He is a legend. People are like, oh, how in the hell you can call this guy a legend. He doesn't even play. Oh wait, are we moving the goalpost? He's played twenty years for the same team. Honor him the same way you honor Dirk. Kobe. Oh, he's there because he's just, you know, he's part of the Miami Mafia. They must see some value in him and what he does in the locker room and on the bench for that team. Well, he's just an assistant coach. He's also insurance. He'll go out there and play. I don't know if he'll play well, but he'll be, be out there and play. And they're paying him. He's part of the fabric. This is an undrafted guy who worked his way into being an NBA player. He had to go overseas to lose what He was... People don't remember him from the University of Florida. He's a chubby kid. Worked his way into shape. Got his mind right about what it took to be a professional in the National Basketball Association. And has a 20-year career. As a result, he's a star in his role. Just like the guy who took his talents to South Beach and made you all cry. Yes, the hashtag. It's time for some hashtag talk. The hashtag, he who shan't be named who signed a two-year, $97 million deal to stay with the Lakers, including a third-year player option for 24 and 25, just so happens, I think, if I'm not mistaken, to be the draft year. For his son, Bronny, part of his goal is to play at least a game or season in the NBA with his son. That'd be amazing to see. And I said this earlier, someone was asking me about expansion and how the NBA was going to move. I do believe they're going to have a team in Las Vegas. In 2007, the hoods were on every corner, robbing people left and right because you could not drive on the strip. They didn't have to even do anything. Just walk up to your car and go like, you know what this is. Hand over the goods. Run them. And it happened. I was on a moped going to the Thomas and Mac Center. All-Star weekend. It's all love. I'm not getting jacked. I didn't have anything for them to take anyway. Part of the ownership group that's going to have that team in Las Vegas will have, as the face of that franchise, the hashtag who shan't be named. Remember I said this to you. 2007 was the litmus test. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are doing there in hockey. Gary Bettman used to work for David Stern, trying to get some lessons from that. Then, of course, the success of the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. They have enough of a sample size to make a decision about that as a real city for expansion in the NBA. And I believe that they're going to give him that team. I can see it. People are so up in arms, and they probably will be when that, if that does happen, with the Fenway group that the hashtag is a part of. They own the Boston Red Sox and also Liverpool FC, of which he is a part owner as well. And it was noted recently that he is just 96 assists away from surpassing the GOAT on the all-time assist list. <laughs> well, who do you, do you think I was talking about? Other than Irvin Magic Johnson. And people were up in arms. Oh, he played 20 years. Hey, he should, play. In order to pass Magic Johnson as a small forward, power forward, and he's a point guard, Magic Johnson was, is outstanding in and of itself, no matter how many years you play. But again, we understand the hurt, so we're going to keep it moving. Recently the hashtag tweeted, Seattle, it's been 15 plus years since we've been out there. I'm going to show up. Jay, Crossover, what's the deal, baby? And he shows up and the response was ridiculous. He enters the center. You can't find him. And he puts out an Instagram post that says, where is Lowaldo? Dead. The tears are real. He got jokes. But the fans who have not seen NBA basketball there in years, the great basketball city, my first team that I really and truly watched as a kid. The Seattle Supersonics because of Gus Williams and Dennis Johnson, Bless the Dead, Lonnie Shelton, those guys, Jack Sigma, their uniforms. And this place called Seattle just reminded me it, when they say it's the Emerald City, I don't know why I thought about the Wizard of Well, I do know why I thought about the Wizard of Oz, but I did. I just liked their jerseys. I liked the way they played. They won the championship. And I was watching them on tape delay at 11.35 after late local news. So who shows up to Seattle Pacific University to play in summer league games alongside of Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics? But the hashtag, and they showed up and showed out on the most humid day in Seattle history, it seems like. So many people in the gym, they had to stop the games because of condensation on the floor. But people were losing their minds that he was there, which would be in direct contravention. Of all of the alleged dislike for this young man, Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr. And the hashtag, putting together a documentary on Netflix coming out October 7th about the Redeem team, the 2008 U.S. men's national team that goes on to the Olympics and wins gold again in Beijing. And that team featured the hashtag, of course, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Kayyem Anthony, and one Kobe Bean Bryant. The elder statesman at the ripe old age of 30 on that team. And they used to give him a business about his pregame routine, how he'd wear his shooting shirt tucked inside of his shooting pants. There's a great video of them at lunch talking about that. It's amazing to watch. I've been using the word amazing a lot today. I've been wearing it into the ground. One thing we can't do before we get out of here is forget to honor once again the life and times of the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant. When he passed, I wanted to say some words, and I didn't really know what to say. I wrote a post on the gram. You know, I do it for the gram, now, even though I'm old. It is what it is. And this is what I said to Kobe. Watching grown men who competed against or were teammates of the man break down in tears of disbelief only serves to reinforce how very revered he was. And though I was never his biggest fan, love him or not, it doesn't seem to matter right now. He was an all-time great who etched his legacy with an unrelenting drive and hunger. You respect the resume. You respect the work ethic. You celebrate the volumes he left us, even as we mourn the chapters never to be realized. I did my best to avoid getting a little misty for a man I would met once in passing and didn't really know. I was unsuccessful, and I'm all right with that love, light, and blessings to you, your daughter, and the others who took their leave on this tragic day. Your wife, your babies, family, friends, foes, and fans, Kobe Bean Bryant, they get that love too. You will be missed for far more than basketball. A fire extinguished far too soon. I'm fairly certain that more elegiac prose will be writ and spit about this man. And so, until next week, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble, and keep listening to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man. Do what you do when you do it. Is a nod to late great on his birthday. Mamba out. Open run. Open run.